Let me tell you, I am so grateful, and, and, and I feel full of joy to be here, but also to see Nina. You know, I, I remember meeting her when she was like maybe nine or ten years old, and to have this little girl that just followed me everywhere. And 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 you know, our children are wonderful. They're sponges, and we might not be, even be aware. But they're learning, they're observing, and just to see how God has worked in her life, I feel so grateful. In some ways, so small, because I know it has nothing to do with me, but so grateful to see that God can use each one of us with all our weaknesses and imperfections. But if we try to please God, God will use you. And I am so, so Uh, proud and happy to see how God has used her. And now she has her own family and all the people that have become disciples because she has influenced their lives. So I love you so much, Nena. And thank you so much for you guys inviting me over. You know, I know I want to show you pictures of my family. So that's, that's my son, Stephen. He's the oldest, and that's his wife, Hannah. And my two little grandkids, they are wonderful. I love them so much. This is my son, Andrew. He runs marathons. He does two marathons every year. And that's my daughter, Jennifer. I cannot believe they're so grown up, you know. And I'm so grateful and proud and happy for all of them. You know, uh, this week, if you're a Latin person, this week there were the, the Latin Grammys. And I remember watching, and it was the 20th anniversary, and I remember watching the first Grammy, because I was in South Africa. And because of the time exchange, it was a weird time, but I was crying 20 years ago watching, because I was so far away from my people, from my culture, from my language, from my music, you know? And, and, uh, and time flies. Time, time really goes. I couldn't believe it was 20 years. But you know, during, when there's these events, There's red carpet events, right? And when there's red carpet events, people come, the celebrities all get dressed up, and people ask them, so, who are you wearing, right? That is the question. And people say, oh, the designer of this fashion house made my outfit. Maybe Oscar de la Renta, or maybe Alexander McQueen, or maybe Christian Soriano, and people are so excited to show their outfit. You know, people wear the gowns with pride, they pose for the cameras. Those outfits are expensive. They're perfectly tailored. You know, it takes celebrities, I'm assuming, a lot of time to get ready, to get everything done to get the hair, the makeup, the accessories. The eyes are on the, you know, the eyes of the world and the media are on, are on them. There's, only, there's even a list of the best dress and the worst dress, right? It's an event. So much goes into what people wear. Look in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 25. It says, She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. You see, here we are not talking about physical outfits, but we are talking something much, much deeper. Someone's character that is developed through a strong relationship 
with God. Character, strength, and dignity are very impressive qualities. Valuable, expensive, expensive, admirable. You know, as women, we want to be clothed with strength and dignity. We want to make it to God's list. The best list, not the worst list, you know. And it's going to take a lot. You know, we want women, we want to be women that are clothed with strength and dignity. What does it mean to have strength? You know, strength is the quality or state of being physically strong. And the capacity of an object or substance to withhold great force or pressure. I think as women, we are so strong. We are physically tough. You know, I show you a picture of my daughter-in-law. She is so thin. She's so small. And I was able, God allowed me to be there when she gave birth to our second grandson. Let me tell you, I saw her suffer and fight through hours and hours of labor. And you might say, well, Daisy, didn't you have three kids? I had three kids and no epidurals, but I am the exception. My kids came like this. It was like one, two, three, boom. The doctors were not there. They didn't make it on time. I never signed papers until after they were born. My last one, I did not even make it to the delivery room. So I didn't go through a tenth, a twentieth of what she went through. But from what I hear and what I saw, most women, I am the exception. This girl, I was so exhausted. Just by like, yes, you can make it. You're almost there. You're doing great. I was exhausted by coaching her. Women are tough physically. You know? But we are also, more than physically, you know, women have the capacity to withstand great force of pressures. This life is full of stresses. Pressures, challenges, trials, difficulties. And we need the strength to overcome. Not just to survive, but to thrive, to succeed, to be happy, to have joy, and to have peace. Where does your strength come from? You know, it can come from so many different places. We can find strength in our own efforts, in your working ethics. If you're a responsible person and you put your mind into it, you can find strength on your goals, on your dreams, on your ambitions, and your aspirations. You can find strength on your children. They're the ones that can help you and motivate you to keep on going. You can find strength on your loved ones, on your relationships, right? But what about when your efforts get you nowhere? When you work hard and you have great ethics and you feel like you're a hamster in the wheel and you're going and going and where is the reward? Your accomplishments, your goals, your dreams, maybe, they, maybe you're not getting them no matter how hard you work. And the kids that you love so much, they might not even appreciate your sacrifice. 
And your love, your loved ones, or your friendships and your relationships, guess what? They might disappoint you. So many times the strength is gone, and we feel tired, unappreciated, and weak. Obviously, the Bible teaches us that our strength needs to come from God, right? Let's look at Psalms, Psalms chapter 18, and I have the scriptures up there. Psalm chapter 18, verse 32. It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. So who arms us with strength? God. And what does give us? Security. Right? So then we got to ask ourselves, when we don't feel secure, when you feel insecure, where is your strength coming from? You see, there are many times that I feel overwhelmed and I'm kind of lost. And have you noticed that when it rains, it pours? Right? And you feel overwhelmed, afraid, tired. And when those things happen, and they happen to all of us, when it happens to me, I ask myself, okay, Daisy, where are you focusing? Oh, what are you focusing on? Where is your strength coming from? And for me, sometimes I focus more in the situations and how big they are or how challenging they are instead of focusing on who God is. You know, but it's not only, it's not only that our strength needs to come from God, but God himself needs to be our strength. Look in Psalms, Psalms chapter 46, verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. This is very important. You know why? Because it says, in contrast with ourselves and our circumstances that are always changing, God does not change. So when we get the strength from us or our work or our efforts, Eventually, we get tired. But when we make God our strength, He never gets tired. When He gets our strength from circumstances, guess what? They change. Sometimes they're good, and sometimes they're bad. Sometimes they're up, sometimes they're down, and they get out of control. Now, as women, do we like control? Because when we control things, it's up to us. It's our effort. We make things happen. We change things happen. But when things get out of control, we get lost and we freaked out. But God does not freak out. God is consistent. He does not freak out. When we get our strength from people, what happens when they disappoint us? And, and I say when, not say, I'm not saying if. Because nobody in this room is perfect, even if you're a disciple. So you will be disappointed. What happens when people let you down? We lose trust. And we get heartbroken. And we get devastated. But God is not a man or a woman. God does not sin. Therefore, we can always trust Him. And I think that when we lose trust in people, we blame God. 
And we forget who God is. Like God was a sinful person. God doesn't. So if you struggle with the temptation of blaming God and asking why, and I think that in our society is very much part of the American mindset. You know, I grew up in Ecuador and I lived in Africa. There is a healthy respect for authority. You don't, I did not grow up telling my grandmother or my grandfather or my uncles, why? You know, I grew up with the attitude of you respect them. You know, it doesn't mean that they were perfect. But maybe, maybe that helped me growing up to see who am I to question God? Even when I think I'm doing good, who am I? God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't sin. It's the opposite. God doesn't treat us the way we deserve. So I think, especially when we live here in the U.S., something changes. And I think that it's great that we have freedom, and it's great that we have independence, and it's great that we have rights. But sometimes we take a place that is not ours. We, right? We are the created things. We are not the creator. The creator is God. And I think that understanding that will help us so much to understand things. You know, so where does, where does, where does your strength come from? Your, your peace. Is God your refuge? And of course we'll say, God is my strength. Really? I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes we become religious and you just say and assume the right thing because you go to church. But, you know, sometimes when you feel overwhelmed and stressed out, and do you go to food? You know, to that chocolate brownie that is so yummy and it makes you feel happy. Right? Or do you go to Netflix? You just want to Escape. Don't think about anything. Or do you go to alcohol to relax because you're so stressed out? Or maybe it's just time to party. You just need to just party. Have some fun. Don't think about your troubles. You need to escape. But what happens after the fun? After the hangover? And after the extra pounds that you put on because of the yummy food? The problems, the challenges, they're still there. Psalm 105, verse 4. Psalm 105, verse 4. It says, Look at the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Here it says, Seek him always. Not just in times of trouble, but I think sometimes we're so independent and so stubborn and so self-dependent that we see God when we're in trouble. So let your troubles do you good. Learn from those things, you know, instead of just not seeking God. Women, the reality is that there are challenges in this life. There will always be. And at times I think that we live, we want to be in this fantasy world that everything is perfect. That if you just go work hard, everything's going to go well with you. Even if you're a disciple, if you do what God wants you to do, everything is going to be perfect. 
And we get upset when we don't get it. That's what Chelsea was talking about. And we blame God when we don't get what we want. Look in John, the Gospel of John. John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus is very clear here. And all the scriptures are here so we can read them. John 16, 33. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is telling us that we will have trouble. So don't be surprised. But at the same time, he tells us that we can have peace. But where does this peace come from? It says it comes from him. That he has overcome. That we need to find strength in him. And sometimes when you, find, when you are, are, even as a disciple, get so overwhelmed and you feel so weak, you know, that is the perfect time to realize that you cannot make it and you need God. You are finally at the state of humility. So everything depends on us. What does it take for you to get at the state of humility? Does everything have to go wrong for you to be humble? Sometimes we are so proud that that is like everything. See, I don't want to do that. I was like, God, I'm humble. <laughs> you know, because I, you know, but when you are weak, it's a perfect opportunity for God to work in your life. Amen? You know, I lost my amazing husband two years ago. We were married for 28 years. We had three kids and one grandchild at the moment. We had two now. He was tall and handsome. He was intelligent. He was very athletic and he was health conscious. He loved his kids. He loved his family. He loved his country. He loved his culture. He loved me. But above all, he loved God. He was my best friend. He was my husband. He was my brother in the faith. He was my therapist at times. He was my counselor. He was my support. He was my coach. He was my everything. I trusted him with everything. I was so grateful that God put us together. He was and is and always be part of me until I die. There's no day that I don't think about him. You know, he lived with cancer for six years. He found out he, that he had cancer, not because he was sick, but because he had a regular checkup every single year. And because he was a responsible person, he did it. And he looked great. So when he went for his checkup and something was not all right, we were very surprised. You see, he never smoked in his life. He didn't drink. He didn't eat red meat. He ate organic food. He used to fish so that he could eat the fish that he caught. Over the summer, he would fish. He would, you know, sometimes he would come home with a hundred fish. Uh, he grew his own vegetables in the house. So over the, over the summer, so we can have organic tomatoes, peppers, squash, berries, whatever he planted. He went to the gym five times a week. This is before he got cancer. He was a very healthy person. And he was diagnosed with an extremely aggressive for former prostate cancer. 
His cancer was resistant to every treatment that existed and was given to him. See, we started this journey of his illness full of faith because his cancer was caught early, because he was not sick and he had not spread. And the doctor said he was going to be okay. And I don't have all the percentages on my head, but over like 90% of people that, you know, that the cancer gets caught on time before it spreads, they're going to make it. So it wasn't just my faith in God. It's the doctor said he was going to be fine. I had no idea what was going to happen. See, God was teaching us what it means to trust him, to get strength from him. He was molding our characters through, difficult, through difficulties. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What in the world? Consider it pure joy when you face trials? Does that make any sense? It doesn't, right? It says, but during that time, the most difficult time in my life so far, because I don't know what's going to happen in the future, my faith was tested. My character was molded. God wanted me to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, when you go through those times, you need to open your eyes and see that God is working on you. You know, as a parent, I don't want my kids to suffer. I want to spare them everything. If I could save them, but this scripture challenges me because I want them to have character. And you know where you get character from? From trials and suffering. So if you keep on going through these trials, you need to ask yourself, what is it in your character that God is trying to form in your life and in your heart? Because he wants what's best for us, to make us mature and complete. Stop whining and complaining and blaming God or other people around. What is it that God is trying to form on you and consider it a pure joy and learn from it? So during this time, I pray more than ever before in my life. I had to depend on God because I had no strength of my own. I had no control over the outcomes of my husband's health. If there was anything that we humanly possibly could do, we've done it. We will do it. People will come to my husband all the time. And he will say, have you heard about these herbs? They will even bring herbs from their countries to say, Nietzsche, I got this for you. Somebody will say, have you ever heard about these vitamins? Have you heard? And you know what? He did it all. He did conventional, unconventional, natural. He did it all. But the truth is that everything was on God's hands. You know, when we think that we are in control, we're not. Things are in God's hands all the time. To trust in God, what does that mean? 
What did it mean to me at the moment? Did I trust God? Did I trust that my husband was going to be 100% cure in Jesus' name because we're a disciple and you pray and God is going to do what, he's, what we want him to do? You know, I believed he was going to be fine. I trusted that. But then I had to realize, what does it really mean to have faith and strength? It wasn't for me to... It wasn't for God to do what I wanted him to do. But it was for me to surrender and to obey to his will. You know, Jesus himself fought, found strength on the Father. Matthew 26, verse 39. Going a little further... He fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as, as your will. Matthew twenty six forty two. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it's possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Verse 44. So he left them and went away once again and prayed the third time saying the same thing. Jesus prayed. He expressed his desire. What was his desire? He did not want to go to the cross. He did not want to go through the suffering. He did not want to go through the struggle, just like any of us. We don't want it. Jesus did not want to. But then he said, not my will, but your will. I had to do the same with the person that I love the most. Not my will, but your will. Whose will are you following? And I think that we need to be careful, because I think lots of times we assume that we're following God's will. You know, God's will is obedience. God's will is surrendering to Him. I think sometimes we're just so quickly, because we are religious, to assume that we're doing or saying or thinking the right thing. But we got to get into our hearts and really see, what does God want? See, God wants everybody to be safe. Because sometimes we think, I love God. You know, I know about God. God is my friend. But you're not obeying Him. It doesn't work that way. You know, it's like God understands my situation. He knows that I really want to obey him, but that situation, that, no, obey, I mean, he does understand, but he understands that you're not obeying him, (laughs) you know, so, so, you need to obey him to do his will, and I had to do that, I had to pray, I said, you know, God, I want my husband to be okay, I want him to be here with me. I wanted us to, you, you could, I, could even, I could even say, God, people can see your glory and we can go and do more missionary work and we can help our children in trying to manipulate God. Right? But then I had to deal with my heart. What was the truth? I don't want my husband. And I think that's a very normal thing. I don't think we'll say, you know, if something will be wrong if somebody says, <laughs> you know, I don't want. Of course, I wanted my husband with me. But I had to pray. I said, God, your will, not my will. See, I was afraid 
I was afraid. Why? Because God gave me a wonderful husband that loved me, that took care of me, that took care of my children. He was my refuge and my strength and my friend. And he was, he, he was, he was part of me. And just thinking about that he's not going to be there, it was not only emotionally painful, but I was going to be alone. But then God was teaching me that I was never alone. That God always going to be with me. And my husband's memories, thoughts, his love, he's always going to be with me as well. You see, as much as I love my husband, he was not the Lord of my life. Jesus was. And Jesus is. And when we go through situations, your heart gets exposed. Who are we? Who is the Lord of your life? You know? And as his, as his illness progressed, because it was our journey together, of course he wanted to be here. Of course he wanted to see his... He, he wanted to walk his daughter down the aisle. Of course he wanted to see his second child get married and he wanted to see our grandchildren grow old and I want, if it was my choice I would prefer to go first because it was going to be easier he was going to be taking care of me right but Jesus was our foundation and we started talking about God and about heaven more and more as he got sick I will never forget he was at the hospital when he was very, very sick. And my son Andrew came to visit him. And my husband was, he was very, very sick. He wanted to get out of his bed. And he couldn't. And he would say, Andrew, help me. And he would say, Dad, where do you want to go? He's like, help me. And he wanted to get out. And we, you know, he wanted to stand up. And he was so frail, but you know, he couldn't. And he said, I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. And my son looked at me like, see, all right? You know? So then I remember talking to him. I said, sweetheart, don't worry. You know, God is going to come and get you. Jesus is going to come and get you. You know, Jesus was in his heart always. And that helped me realize that this world is not our home. And I had to realize that my husband was not mine. He was just borrowed. God let me have it. For a little while. You see, nothing that you have is yours. Your children, they're not yours. And I think as moms, sometimes we struggle because we want to make them. And when they get married or they're dating, you're like, or when they don't do what you want, it's like you own them. You don't own them. They're not yours. They just borrow. So help them to love their maker. Because I want, right? Your house is not yours. And you know that. If you're behind your mortgage, then, you know, sometimes the bank owns the house. <laughs> unless you pay everything. You know, your clothes, the things, the things that you value, the, the physical things that you value, the things, I don't know what you value. It might be your shoes. It might be your new dress. It might be your house. It might be whatever, your car. When you die, somebody is going to go over your things. And something that you value so much, 
Nobody might want it. I'm telling you. So your goals are great. Whatever you want to do, do it for God. But don't make those things to give you your security. So God was teaching me that I own nothing. That everything that I have is His. Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 4 4-7. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and thanksgiving, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always? What? Again, that doesn't make any sense. But let's read it properly. It doesn't say rejoice always. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Because rejoice always is not possible. But rejoice in the Lord is possible. You know, so what are you rejoicing on? When you are not rejoicing, ask yourself that question. And then change. And rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because he doesn't change. Because he's good. He allows you to be alive and count your blessings. You know, and then he says, do not be anxious. But instead of being anxious, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In verse 7, that's it said, and then God is going to give you what you're asking for, and that's how you're going to have peace. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that God is going to do. It doesn't say that. Because your peace cannot come from the results, but it needs to come from God. From God. You know, the Bible teaches us to rejoice in the Lord because He does not change, He does not freak out, and He will give you peace. When When we have peace and that security that comes from God, then we can laugh at the days to come. Then we can have the strength and dignity that will make it to God's list. Where are you today? I'm grateful that you came. And I think the message is not a new one. It's a very simple message. Obey God. Follow Him. Surrender to Him. Make Him your strength. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. And making Jesus the Lord of your life is not saying it only with your mouth. It's living it every single day. It's not just knowing it, but putting it into practice every single day. Let's be women that are clothed with strength and dignity that can laugh at the days to come. Thank you.